When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Glenn Hoddle on toast. Ex-players very politely editing their own Wikipedia pages. Players who are good to have around the place. The phrase bringing the ball under his spell. The deluded innovations of Sunday League pre-seasons. A very specifically phrased coaching instruction. Establishing the ground rules of bringing a 1960s legend to 2023 in a time machine to see if they could hack it and the complex philosophy of playing football the right way. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 233 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for this Mesut Harland Dicks potential classic is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, yeah. How are you? I'm really good. For Mesut Harland Dicks today... We have comedian, writer, the second ever senior England international on this podcast and the fourth guest to be suggested by my missus, it's Josh Pugh. How's it going? Yeah, I'm great. How are you guys? Really good. Really good. A real pleasure to have you. Like someone, someone really at the cutting edge for once, which is nice for us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I um, I didn't realise your, your partner recommended me. That's it. That's always the way with my things. If, if people come up to me, it's always my partner makes me watch your videos. It's never <laughs> it's never we enjoy your content as a couple. It's, all the, it's always the one person thrusting it upon the other. She just got there first. That's all that happened. But you've joined an exclusive club. Doc Brown, Dominic Diamond and Maisie Adam all no, suggested. Oh, good. Good group. Yeah. Yeah, you're always a good group when you're in there with the Games Master host. Uh, now, I re- I understand you're, you're midway through the uh, Sausage Egg Josh Pugh Chips and Beans tour, but it's it's a fascinating little portion of the tour dates right now. It's Brighton tonight, then Bristol, Cardiff, Cambridge. It's like yeah. a sort of gently descending career of a mid-2000s football league target man. It's a great list of venues. <laughs> yeah. And then next week is, I'm calling it the Stag Do Leg of the tour. We've got... Uh, Liverpool, Belfast, and Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> you've um, you've been somewhere even more glamorous recently. I, uh, I garnered from your Instagram about five weeks ago that you were in Tenerife for a warm weather training camp. Got enough funding there, have you? <laughs> so I uh, yeah, so I play for England's Parkley Sighted team, and for the first yeah. time ever, they um, they took all the para squads to Tenerife to to get some warm weather training. So it's our team, England deaf team, England women's deaf. Yeah. Um, the blind team, cerebral palsy, um, deaf men. 
And it was, uh, yeah, so but my, my, my wife was fuming. We play indoors and our World Cup's in England this year. She's like, what, why are you going to Tenerife in January? I'm like, it's a great, but it was, oh, it was so good. You looked just the right amount of knackered to be doing it as well. It, like, just the right amount of knackered for a warm weather training camp. Just the right amount. Yeah, I, I, I did well enough to convince her it wasn't a, a holiday, I think. You, you, I'm glad you mentioned your wife there. Was there a controversy about whether partners could come? You know, was it the right balance of, yeah, it's like a, it's like Barden Barden all over again? Yeah, well, where is it when they're on a, was it Qatar, they're all on a cruise ship? Oh, yeah, potentially, I, I, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how people have their partners there. If I, if I do the, the fringe, the, the Edinburgh fringe, my wife comes up for a couple of, and it throws me, I can't concentrate. Oh, right. I, I feel responsible for for her hmm. good time, you know. <laughs> well, it's good good to know you're you're focused on your art. Anyway, 100%. yeah, um, we need you to be focused on your uh, Mesut Holland Dick selections very shortly. But we have a very brief adjudication panel for you to join us for. First of all, um, listener Aiden Charlie heard this from Glenn Hoddle on BT Sport during Milan versus Spurs on Tuesday night, and it, it's pure Hoddle. But there's something else I want to talk about as well. Free kick for Tottenham here for the challenge between Kier and Kane. And those two have had a right old battle right the way through this first half. They certainly have. Uh, Harry's Harry's got him on a, well, not on a bit of toast really, but he's doing it all the time. <laughs> Look how he uses his body. Uh, Charlie, we talked recently about what what, it, what was required to be on toast for a defender, but I've, uh, it, it was only ever going to be Glenn Hoddu who would say, on a little bit of toast. <laughs> bit of toast. <laughs> what have you had for breakfast? Oh, just a little bit of toast. A L- little bit of Perfect. toast. Perfect. Yeah, just I wonder. Does that mean is he less on toast? Like he's not fully on toast. No, you just it's like he's partially partially got him on toast. Yeah, yeah enjoy no, that. I, a lot. I think it, I actually think it's next. Like, I think it's oh, he's on a bit of a bit of toast, like good quality toast. <laughs> he's on a bit of toast there. That's a bit of toast. That that's is. that's a fine cut of toast. Like tiger bread that you have to cut yourself. Level of toast. Yeah, Labour intensive sourdough. But I mean, Charlie. I mean. In the defence of the use of little on a little bit of toast, um, it wasn't a full on the toast situation because he was just sort of grappling with him in the centre of the pitch, which isn't on the, on toast territory for me. I mean, I think Hodler as well sort of realised because he he said he almost does a negative. He's like he hasn't quite had him on a little bit of toast. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, does it meet the does it meet the threshold? <laughs> Um, only Hoddle could pull this off as far as I'm concerned. Now, next up, Josh, um, have you ever felt compelled to um, edit your own Wikipedia page? You know, just for minor inaccuracies? Not as yet. Not reach that level of ego just yet? Not not quite. I'm, okay. I'm only Googling a couple of times a day as well at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> this came from James Morgan, who starts off his uh, correspondence with, I fear this is too niche and odd even for you. Not true. But greatly enjoying former Leicester and Gillingham midfielder Frank Musa politely fact-checking and editing his own Wikipedia page. And he sent me a screenshot, Josh, of um, the edit edit history (laughs) of Frank Moose's Wikipedia page. And it's an incredible selection of really just sort of gentle but slightly passive-aggressive corrections. First up, (laughs) this was a a section about him leaving Charlton, I believe, and the manner in which he left the club. And uh, Frank Moose has gone into the edit and added this comment. Words matter. Mutual content is the term used in the article and the club player agreement. Many thanks, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose this is important. I mean, maybe pro footballers should do more of this, Josh. Like, sort of, you know, this is important legacy stuff. And it's it's all done with. He's not lashing out there, is he? He's not lashing back. It's just exactly. a polite asterisk correction. Yeah. 
Yours yeah. sincerely. All the best for the rest of the season, Frank. Yeah, I guess, Charlie, that was a kind of important point. You know, it may be even a legal point. But things get a little bit more um, fussy, shall we say. This is from his Coventry City section. He writes, I did not win the Football League goal of the season that year, but the Coventry fans goal of the season. The Mitre Football League trophy was indeed won the following year. Many thanks, Frank. <laughs> Doing himself down, if anything. I was going to say, fair play, because it, he, his commitment to accuracy, he, he has uh, downplayed himself. I love, I mean, many Thanks, Frank. I don't know, where does that rank? I mean, I think Hope This Helps is the most passive-aggressive. <laughs> m- m- many thanks is just on the right side of the line, I think. It's a nice touch, just, just, just to parachute the edit down a bit. I mean, how prestigious, Josh, do you think the Coventry fans' goal of the season is? I mean, it's presumably just Keith Houchin every year, just out of nostalgia. And then suddenly, uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, it obviously meant a lot to Frank. It obviously mm. meant a lot to Frank. He's kind of... Uh, I, I wonder what's going on in, in his head there. He's kind of like... Yeah, so... Trivia. It's just. It doesn't matter, Frank. Does it? It's, no. it's, relax. <laughs> the tiniest points. But as we know, Charlie Frank Musas, uh, not a great goal scorer, but a scorer of great goals. Clearly, absolutely. Yes. Um, well, this is was... hot on the heels as well of us being told that Cristiano Ronaldo contacted transfer marks to complain yeah. about his uh, his valuation. So no, Moose is in good company. I do. I support this kind of behaviour. I think this, this is important. And um, there's some more fussiness about his middle name, which contains the amazing words "following a court order," which is just <laughs> who knows what history is going on there. But Josh, this is my favourite one, and it's the smallest one of all. Um, he simply wrote uh, a little edit note for the section "Personal Life." He wrote. Grammatical error. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's—the kind of It's like he's going through divorce papers. <laughs> it's that level of detail. What I love as well is that he hasn't specified which, and it's kind of like when a teacher would be like, "Well, look, if you don't know why I'm saying that, then yeah. I can't help you." <laughs> like, he, he's just—if if you can't spot the ground, you know, it's, it's beyond me. Well, I, I dug deeper into it, Charlie, and I found out that the sentence read: uh, "He left. Who he retired early, so due a knee injury." And uh, he was just right. pointing out she'd been due to a knee injury. Maybe because mm. I suppose the way it read before meant it's like a knee injury was coming. And, he, yeah. you know, that, that sounds <laughs> ominous, doesn't it? So an important edit from Frank Musa, and long may that continue. But um, let's hopefully get into some more granular pedantry now. It's Mesut Harland Dix with Josh Pugh. I really enjoyed your choices. And as most legendary Mesut Holland Dix guest you sent more than you needed to which gave me an element of choice in the matter which was just great from you great a classy touch yeah I, I like to show a bit of class when I'm doing stuff and I, I didn't know you know you're on 200 odd episodes I, I didn't know what had been covered so no I am um, I'm happy with what you've whittled it down to they were, I sent you a provisional squad and yeah. you've uh, <laughs> you've whittled it down to the final that these are on the plane these ones so I'm happy with these nice little nice little segue there into your first fascination then please yeah so I'm fascinated with um, players being taken to World Cups because they're good around the place he's, he's, good, he's, he's good around the place and I just kind of think <laughs> I mean I totally get it having been away with squads and stuff for long times so you need people that are good around the place you, 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 but, you wouldn't classify yourself as that though would you? I'm good around the place, and I mean, I think I can play as well, but I, I'm, I try and be good around the place. But so you like Gaza? Argument, yeah. My argument is kind of take a better player, plus, make, you, know, it's some, you can take anyone if they're good around the place. Just some, someone really sound off the street, or like a close up <laughs> magician. <That's important. laughs> but, Charlie, I suppose in an era of 26 man squads, I think we can, we can agree that this is a viable situation players just simply take being taken to tournaments on the back of purely on the back of their personality if he even if he might even be an already an overt thing that happens but i mean connor cody is obviously yeah. an incredible um case study for this because during the or just before the world cup in qatar he was he was so so honest about the fact that he wasn't going to play 
and that he was he almost to the point where he admitted he was there just to keep the, the squad kind of glued together socially. And I think it might have been the biggest glimpse into this we've ever seen. Yeah, he. I mean, I feel like Southgate as well puts such a premium on culture and those sort of things. I feel like there were a lot of those players knocking about. And maybe that was part of FIFA's uh, motivation in expanding it. Be like, you know, have a few good guys around the place. I mean, I always think of Pepe Reina in the Spain, in that golden era. He was always cited as like, nah, listen, you know, he's a secret weapon. You know, he was so good around the place, you know, really raised morale and bridged the divide. And maybe a third choice keeper, there's more scope for a, a good around the place pick. Oh yeah, I mean, you have to be professionally good around the place when you're a third choice goalkeeper. Oh. But quite an interesting phrase, quite a vague thing to be good around the place, Josh. Yeah, what does it involve? What, what are the specifics of being well, good around the place? I mean, what, is he picking litter? What, what's he doing? <laughs> Surely everyone needs to be good around the place. It's a, surely that's the it's surely that's that. Yeah, that's kind of be sad. But I think I think what it is, you get players with the other way. I think it's not that he's necessarily great around the place. I think he's good around the place. But you don't want anybody not playing who's going to be bored and just like yeah. a, a problem, you know, eating desserts, drinking, you know. <laughs> it's because you, you're away a long time. You're yeah. away a long time. And if you get a whiff, you're not playing. You'd rather have somebody that is just going to deal with that better, I think. Well, um, I mean, in the England squad, presumably Ben White wasn't seen as being that good around the place. He left, if you remember, sort of prematurely. I do think as well, there's a, Connor Cody demonstrates this. There's such a correlation between players being good around the place, who are willing to front up. There's a, a massive overlap between those two things. If you're good oh, around then, the place, yeah. you'll front up. But there's a huge issue. There's a huge issue with being the sort of 26th man in the squad who does the fronting yeah. up. Because your fronting up doesn't matter as much. No, no one's waiting to hear what you've got to say about England sort of go, crashing out of the tournament. Who, who cares yeah. what you've got? You were sat on the bench, mate. That's a worry. It, Henderson is another one. I mean, he, he gets more mm. game time, but he's, you can imagine he's good around the... But I think yeah. what it also is, good around the place... He's probably get stuff in training. He's probably a good trainer. You know, if he's on the opposite opposing team, he'll simulate another player. You know, it's kind of good. He's probably a good around the place in that regard. He's, he's, he's intelligent. You know, he's got a good football intelligence and stuff. I think. Charlie, you've um, of course you've recently welcomed a second child into the world. Um, are they good around the place? <laughs> really good around the place, yeah. But I guess the, the equivalent there would be more when you have a sort of, when you've already got a big family and then you sort of add another one who's <laughs> just a little bonus. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be good around the place. You know, I, I, I'm good around a place on, on the stag do. I'm not, oh, nice. key, I'm not one of your key players. No, but no. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure there's water in the fridge. We're getting our deposits back. That is I'm really, after, that is really key to have those sorts of people. I'm, I'm bringing, I'm bringing after son. <laughs> that's too, mu- that's too much. That's like vice captain shit. I don't like that. That's I mean, you, being good <laughs> around the busy. place needs you to sort of blend into the background a bit. You're doing too much there. That's too active. Yeah, yeah that's Tone busy. It down. I'm, I'm a bit busy there. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Josh, tell us about your um, second fascination of football, please. So I love it. You know, commentators use such. You know, you talk about it all the time on this podcast. You know, the, the language they use, mm. and I love it when a striker brings the ball under their spell. <laughs> It's such, right. it's such a lovely way of saying that he's letting it hit him in the chest and it's dropped to his feet. Interesting example that you used there, because my first thought when you suggested this was that we can go off on a huge tangent about poetic, unnecessarily poetic turns of commentary phrase. But the first thing I want to nail down here, Charlie, is what is the exact scenario in which a player brings the ball under his spell? Because you could go quite sort of advanced level and say sort of Bergkamp against Argentina mm, in 1998 mm. but I don't think bringing the ball under your spell is a goal scoring thing I think it's just done in the middle of the pitch and it's quite impressive but it's not Zidane level control it's just 
it's kind of, you know, elegant but swift. Yeah, that that is a sort of different level. Bringing the ball under your spell. Anyone can bring the it's, ball under this spell. Yeah, right? and it is it is in a tight area. I think, you know, there are a few players around you and you've managed to, yeah, you sort of managed to kill it's, it. It's off the ground. It's, it's off the ground, 100%. 100%. 100%. It, it's, it might be you're bringing it kind of, I think, knee, knee to waist heights maybe. Yep. You, you you let one of your legs out to the side, bringing it into where you're inside your shoulder width. Yeah, there's well, an element of cushioning involved, like sort of real kind of camera-friendly cushioning going on. You might want to watch a replay of it, I think. Yeah, and I think what Josh says there is important because it's implied that it wasn't an easy pass to deal with. Otherwise, mm. there wouldn't be such a need to bring under your spell. Or a yeah, loose the, ball, like a looping yeah, ball out of nowhere, yeah. The, the spell is that you're sort of bringing some order to what otherwise could have been quite chaotic. But... This, the spell aspect of this, Josh, is is the clincher here. It's excessive, isn't it? It's it's like it's pointlessly, weirdly nice turn of phrase for what is actually quite a functional thing. Yeah, you're just controlling the football. I mean, if you've then gone on and done something incredible, then yeah. But if you just, it feels weird to bring it under your spell and then just pass it to someone else five yards away. <laughs> oh, but is that, is that where the spell ends? Like you pass the spell on to someone else? It's your I think now. so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's just funny the idea of if you did have magical powers using it in such a prosaic way like, <laughs> I could do anything but you know I'll just control this how did you do off. that showing it to people on the street just going oh, mate watch this one it's the slight of foot of just controlling a football but, but you know what it is I think that it's, it is the cushioning it's like um, it's like you know if someone's levitating it's kind of you know you think of Harry Potter like it's like an inner if you imagine an orb around the player yeah. and it comes into that orb mm. and then wait what am I talking about and then it kind of <laughs> They've gone under control. That's the spell, surely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, there, there has to be an outer limit of the spells. Like it's like territorial waters, isn't it? At what point yeah. does it become their spell? It's an interesting point. And we. If you two we'll foot somebody and take the ball, that's not you taking it under your spell, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it should be. Should be. It's all part of the yeah. magic of football. Yeah, um, totally. We asked our listeners, uh, Charlie, about some excessively poetic slash poignant turns of footballing phrase, and we got some excellent examples. Uh, Ewan Cotter says, "I've always liked he cuts a lone figure up." <laughs> front like he's a drifter in an old western isolated yeah. from his teammates and very much on his own but with a vague sense of duty towards a communal cause he barely remembers keeping him going probably has to feed off scraps too it, it is it is in a kind of weird way mm. a little bit too kind of storytelling isn't it yeah it's james joyce-esque that yeah yeah it is the sol- the solitariness of it is quite poignant just mm. on your own just i guess yeah when you're there just sort of pondering life how did it come to this i'm a sort of League two striker. Is it? <laughs> That's what I always wanted. It's got an air of hopelessness to it as well, hasn't it? Yeah. But then you could add a bit of farming equipment. And, that, and to me, that makes it more sort of earthy in its poignancy, where it says you're, you're ploughing a lone furrow, which, which is such a weirdly outdated <laughs> thing, but people <laughs> always use it. Just this one farmer on his own, making sure that field is cultivated. <laughs> um, again so that, and again and again. You, yeah. you do hear that less, I feel, now. That's, uh, that's so archaic. Dave Mitchell has gone very literal with this one. He says, fluffed his lines is quite literally poetic and gets rolled out a lot. But he also likes the red mist has descended which seems excessively excessively poetic for me when it's usually used after a player does one of those rutting stag half headbutts. The red mist descending, Josh, that, I mean, again, feels a bit too much for the situation. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's too gentle. Yeah, it's not, well, it's not Macbeth, is it? It's Chesterfield versus Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. It also kind of, we, 
we all know what these things mean and it's it's just a nice way of, it is feels nice it's nice to hear isn't it they're nice to hear those phrases yeah. fluff this line as well we talked about didn't we? there's sort of there's a lot of theatrical language you know we talk a lot about improvisation and that sort of thing mm. but fluff, fluff designs is good there's something very relatable about that you know the sort of you're, you're on stage and you're quite exposed i think that's quite a good one just like in uh in brighton tonight josh let's 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 hope not <laughs> um, the red mist will descend yeah <laughs> right um this this last one i perhaps doesn't quite qualify for what we're talking about but i enjoyed it anyway mr craig pe says uh, he can't remember who what game he was watching when he heard this interchange between commentator and co-commentator but it went like this commentator said midfield triumvirate and the co-commentator said what's a triumvirate and the commentator just said it just means three and the co-commentator said just say three then (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's blown this all apart triumvirate is the most unnecessary word i could possibly think of well i mean this sounds very mowbray Lawrenson from that period where they were <laughs> at loggerheads what was it the 2010 World Cup I mean yeah. there is a way which you know triumvirate was a, a kind of ruling three in right. ancient Rome so yeah. if, if you were talking about a managerial trio I can't think when that's ever happened or mm. if you were really saying that like they were playing with a midfield three that were all powerful and almost regal then yeah. maybe but if you if, if you are just meaning three then yeah oh, I think it mostly three. just means three Charlie to be honest and I've never heard managerial triumvirate which which to be anything would actually make more sense yeah I mean um, yeah Evans Houllier who, they, did they have like was Thompson sort of could, could he have made that a three I don't know if he was knocking around the club I think there's the ever been a permanent three or a sort of interim three there's been caretaker threes but no yeah. don't think it's ever been attempted but yeah I, I completely agree with Mr Craig PE triumvirate it whilst a glorious word is completely unnecessary but speaking of triumvirates Josh let's have your third fascination of football please so my third fascination is so this is actually from the world of Sunday league amateur football mm. And it's people's versions of pre-season. So the season's finished three weeks previously. Yep. But some, for some reason, three weeks after that, it's, an, it's the dawning of a new era. Even though it's the same players doing the same things, <laughs> representing the same pub. It, it's, this is it now. This is, this is a new dawn. And they're just the emphasis on fitness. No, nobody does anything else all week. It's the one hour of football they get. Instead of just playing football, they, for some reason, insist on this this beasting for an hour. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, there's, there's a team that trains near me. They've got like all the, you know, all the, the ladders and the... I hate those ladders. They're so <laughs> stupid. They're like, that's like finishing touches for a top, top elite yeah. athlete. Yeah. <laughs> just have a game of football. Just have a game of football, get people to enjoy it and get them to sign. And they all sign, all the teams sign like 45 players. You just, they've just given themselves a massive administra- administrative task before a ball's been kicked. And it's just, oh, I bet, what I, but I also love it. I, I love the enthusiasm. I love mm-hmm. all the talk in, in the pubs and stuff and trying to convince players to, to come and sign and, you know, you're going to have a good year. Get, get, they used to, this bloke always used to um, say to my mate, my mate, um, it's quite a good footballer, well, this is 16 years ago. <laughs> every every year, somebody get get in his ear. Get yourself fit. Get yourself right. And get, get yourself, yourself right. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself right and get yourself down. Right. Fit right and down. They're the three things you need to be. Get yourself fit. Yeah. If you're not fit, you're no good. You get yourself right. If you're not right, is that in the head? Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And, in if, head. and if you're fit and you're right, but you're not down, no. Then that's no. You need all. You need the triangle. You need the three things there. <laughs> By, by down, do you just mean physically present? 
present at the right. point. Yeah, down <laughs> to the yeah. That's a that's a huge aspect of it. Yeah, um, that's the main one I'd say. I, that, I'd be putting that first if I was given that. Get yourself down first, and it will fit. We'll in the sort right the right laser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just turn up, mate. Just turn up, mate. Yeah. That's the most important thing. But yeah, I pre I fond memories of proper pre seasons, Charlie, and because in my experience of of you know, classic level Sunday league. That was the one, maybe two weeks of any season where you do any training really, but specifically where you do those drills where someone will throw it to your head, then throw it to your knee, Mm -hmm. then throw it to your foot and you volley it back. And they were the sort of drills I absolutely loved when I was 11, but doing it when you're like 32, you think, ah, this is silly. This is, I'm not doing this. This (laughs) It's really silly. When, I mean, you're just not going to do 50 one yard volleys in a game of football. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. It's all muscle memory, though. It's important. <laughs> I mean, I loved all this stuff so much because, there, and I, I remember one year we got a new manager in. I mean, it was just again like that's it makes sound really grandiose. It was just one of the players who sure, then took yeah. over the sort of picking the team, and he, but he did come in with lots of new ideas. You know, he had like a little tactics board, and yes. you know, we were going to play different systems. You know, we try them out in the preseason friendlies. Like all, as we've spoken about before, Sunday League is all about kind of living out your fantasies and pretending you're a professional. And so I love the idea of that. And also, you know how in, in uh, proper football, they get a new manager and it's like, it's a clean slate for everyone. You know, I, I'm, I'm just assessing <laughs> that this. And, and, and yeah. that would be the sort of message. Like, you know, I, don't, I don't care what's come before. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. everyone gets, I just love that so much. And it's always like, um, you know, it's, it's come back after the off season. Like, what do you mean? We, we, know, we work together. I've seen you every, <laughs> seen you every day since the last game. It's, uh, but it's great yeah it's it's all it's all it's the optimism it's the it's that it, it's it, you feel you're, you're having your pre-season at the same time as the you know, Sky Sports News when you're seeing their pre-season that's true it, it's, it feels great you feel like a kid again it's amazing Charlie your point about the, the little tactics boards um, there the, must be a direct correlation between sales of like 12 inch tactics boards with the little counters on them and the development of the Football Manager series over time. Um, my brother definitely brought one in for our Sunday team, and it was just—it was just an—it was just an embarrassing moment. Actually, <laughs> thought, this is where we've crossed the point of being too weird yeah. about this. Um, we've, we've I'm not saying it's not start. useful. I'm not saying it's not useful. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a ridiculous development for every Sunday league team. Not not necessary. Don't need it. No. And those things tended to last about as long as most people would do like fancy football back in the day. You know, probably yeah. like one, two, maybe three weeks at a push, but they'd all be gone by September. Losing October. half the counters in the kit bag and just like, oh, I can't <laughs> yeah. do it now. It's the same. Everybody's getting their initials on their, their T-shirt. <laughs> we, we know everyone's name. What, what, why do we need that? It's the biggest mystery in football is initials on any kit at any level. I don't get it. Uh, it's not even personal. Like, it's not even any good to you. You wouldn't look at it and go, ah, oh, that's me. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's an absolute waste of time. It's ridiculous. We did ask our listeners, Josh, about kind of elite level innovations that their Sunday league managers have kind of thrust upon them um, to varying levels of discomfort. Um, Gareth Brennan says, when I was managing our football team, I once played with two right wingers on the left back to confuse them, but only ended up confusing ourselves. That's just a weird tactical innovations, but they've, they've, <laughs> they thought, well, Pep does it. Or something like that, and then that's it. That's that's the justification. I mean, it it would it's caused confusion. It's caused confusion, caused confusion amongst us three. So as a <laughs> as a left back, I mean, I would be I'd be at sixes and sevens. as it where I'd be. Yeah, um, but if you think about the the footballing intelligence slash capabilities of a Sunday League left back on average, Charlie, that actually isn't a bad tactic. Well, like suddenly no. finding themselves with two players up against them might be a good idea. No, that that is quite a good idea. I would love to know, and people who still play Sunday League can tell me, are 
Sunday League managers trying to get left backs to do like the Zinchenko inverted <laughs> role because that surely is happening and I would love to see the results of that I imagine it's fucking impossible because it's an easy sell isn't it oh you'll be more involved yeah. you'll be yeah, more yeah. like a midfielder they're like alright brilliant yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely an easy sell more just the idea of who you get to do that I mean it, the, what it requires from a player oh goodness me right um, what was the next one Jake Murray says uh, uh, we the heroes of Waterloo FC Josh are the envy of Regent's Park since our gaffer started bringing along a step to make the nets easier. Also, this is going to blow your mind, a contactless machine for, for paying your subs after the game. It's a game changer and nobody can get away with not having cash. Bringing a contactless thing, wow! What that a guy, era! That guy's going places. <laughs> it, it, honestly, I've seen that done and I was my mind was absolutely blown. I didn't know you could just buy them as a normal citizen. <laughs> Oh, yes. Really? Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. You have to pay, a, I think you pay a small fee with every transaction or something. But yeah, yeah the guy who, who did it, who was one of the, you know, the ad, admins for one of the other teams, it was, it was mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. What a cool thing to have in your hands, Josh. Just a contactless machine, yeah. just getting people I, I, to pay you. I wonder if they had a bit on, you know, it's cash. Oh, he's not got cash. Well, it's an extra, it's a £2 transaction <laughs> fee if you use this. Minimum payment of 10 quid. Which <laughs> yeah. is, it's only five quid this week. Well, that's it, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> getting, paying, like, getting your mates to come along, you have to pay for them as well. But, but that, um, but that step is, to me, that says a lot about that, that manager. Genuinely, I think he's, he's a good guy there. He's got, he cares about getting money into the club. Mm. And that step, it looks a plank on that step, but it's getting the job done. Yeah. It's not it's not for show. It's not look at me with the tactics board. It's let's get mm. these nets up and let's get subs paid. He's he's I like the sound of this guy. Yeah, I don't want to be too snobby about the step for the goals actually, Charlie, because uh, it's a simple solution to a perennial problem. Done. I, I think it's a great idea. I wish we'd had that. Right. There was one guy who was like legendarily good at doing the nets. Mm. I guess maybe he'd have been against it cuz that's sort of his USP, but everyone else <laughs> Just um, yeah, it's such a hassle doing that. People don't, people who don't play Sunday league football don't appreciate. I mean, putting the nets up generally, Josh, is a pain, of course. But there's a very specific pain of putting the nets up, which is that final two inches of having to reach it to get it over the hook of the of the yeah. goal, of the crossbar is possibly one of the hardest things for a human being to do. <laughs> it's it's impossible. My solution is to get two of the youngest players, two 17-year-olds on each other's shoulders. Yeah, the, the yeah, shoulders. Good weight distribution key. there. Bit of weight a, yeah, it's part of their apprenticeship, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should talk about the politics of, of goal nets one day, Charlie. But um, Michael Doran says, uh, I remember around the time of Barcelona, Spain, 2008-2010, literally every coach started doing intense rondos as the warm-up <laughs> before the game. Everyone was knackered before we'd even started. I mean, if you think about rondos, Charlie, is that they're quite accessible as a form of football. Mm. But... The Sunday League rondo, I mean, there's an element of kind of cartoonish Sunday League about it. Everyone's a bit sort of hungover or just can't be asked. But the pace of the Sunday League rondo, <laughs> I mean, the size of the circle is absurd as well. It's either really tiny and easy or massive and pointless. Oh, oh close the circle, boys. Come on, let's get a bit big. You just can't, you can't help it. It's just like instinctively you're just moving further and further away. Yeah, yeah we, we, got, we got into rondos in that post-2010 era, definitely. Uh, it's a very specific form of Sunday League sadness, Josh, when you, you get in, you sort of wander over to a rondo because rondos aren't everybody they're just a little select few people who've decided to take it seriously and you wander over to get involved but no one sort of passes to you because you're the new person in the rondo it's an awful <laughs> yeah. situation yeah there's an etiquette to it isn't there because you can't and call you, for the ball in a rondo can you because that's not done in Sunday League you don't call for no, it no and I think a lot of people aren't really playing to a specific player a lot of the time either 
No. They're just hitting it in a, in a direction. Yeah. There, there was a great... There was a great bellwether before the game. A really good way for people to be like, we're not sharp enough, you know, yeah. or like, That's, that was really good, boys. We're switched on here. Obviously, zero correlation, but it, you could really get stuck into it. No question. I mean, no, I'm, I'm all, I mean, Barcelona got it right. I'm all for it. A good rondo gets you in. I mean, that, that gets you right. That gets you right. I mean, you're already down and you're right. Thanks to the rondo. Yeah. yeah. Can't beat a crisp pass on a bobbly pitch. You know, but you know. the thing is, you, you can, um, you know, even, even with our England team when we play, you can you can spin a warm up however you want. You know, you finish like a bit of shooting. Mm. You, you don't score in it. So keepers are looking good today. <laughs> keepers, keepers are on it today. You can you can spin it however you want. Yep, yep. I wonder as well if that Spain team had the first ones free rule that we always had at Sunday League, and I think is fairly universal. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you know you, you, that's too much of a knock to your morale. Otherwise, you know you don't yeah. want Jordi Alba or whoever it is having to go straight in. Yeah, <laughs> gently mocking someone's mistakes in the warm-up in any form before a football match is the lightest form of football banter, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't cut deep. It doesn't really land. It's fine. It's just that's what's, what's got to be done. Anyway, Thomas Ross says, uh, my dad coached a Sunday <laughs> league team. He instituted playing rather loudly. Tina Turner's The Best on a tape player that was outdated even in 1995, and we lost 33-0. Josh, where do you stand on sort of motivational music beforehand? Not, I'm, I'm not a fan, not having this. It's, it, it can be, I think it's okay, but I think that's too on the nose. It's got to be kind of, <laughs> it's, it's got to be a bit... More nuance. A bit, bit more nuance to it than that. It's got to be lightly kind of, we're up for this, not, yeah. this is you everything. You are the best. <laughs> yeah. We are um, the champions. That's tempting fate. Don't. don't <laughs> Pete Ranger, Josh says, uh, had a manager insist that the subs go out and warm up on the pitch at half time because that's what the pros do. <laughs> this is this is pure Sunday league because it's because it's not a difficult thing, but it's inspired by professional football, which is which is skin crawling, but also absolutely fine. It's part of Sunday league. We're living out our dreams to an extent, but making the subs go out at half time and warm up on the pitch—it's just a lovely little touch. Yeah, it's nice, and obviously they're missing the whole. You know, any mm. instructions they might need as well during the half-time talks. I always like that. So they're even less prepared now when they come on. <laughs> and Charlie, our Sunday League experience tells us that that little warm-up at half-time will simply be precisely 28-yard passes to each other. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the pre-game, everyone just piling into the box and putting yeah. crosses in. It's <laughs> It's such a useful scenario to see. Yeah, because we're so, we're so always, we're getting the ball wide and always delivering pinpoint crosses to five people flooding into the box every time. Right. Uh, this is the last one. I don't know why this amused me so much, but it, but it is great. This is from Richie Josh, who says, I introduced halftime cubes of jelly to my Sunday league team for a quick sugar boost after reading an article about Arsene Wenger doing something similar innovator cubes of jelly there's something slightly disturbing about that something slightly creepy about un- well it's not cooked is it but you know unused jelly at least make the jelly or is that yeah and just have a jelly baby that's what jelly babies are isn't it yes is there i mean i, I haven't looked into the sugar content charlie of you know, I, i'm gonna call it raw jelly but <laughs> is that not too sugary surely yeah they're gonna, there's gonna be a drop it's like drinking it's like drinking you know, squash without diluting it. That's weird. Yeah, I'm sure Wenger, there must have been loads of other things Wenger did that yeah. uh, sort of amateur coaches at that time got really into. Broccoli, of course. I don't know, just growing up, Josh, that whenever I saw jelly in a pack, I just inherently, without being told, thought it was just forbidden to eat it. I just thought something terrible will happen if you eat a cube of 
undiluted sex I, I, jelly. Yeah, I, I, would, I would never have done it. Certainly not. But I think the worst time to try something new in terms of putting it in your body yep. is immediately before running around for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> It's there for a Manchester to be successful. It really is. It's just a case of getting it right. We have the public, we have the stadium. I think that the owner or the chairman and the manager are crucial to each other. And if that's a good partnership and, and they're backing each other up and they're supporting each other, there's no reason why it can't be in the top four all of the time. That was the unmistakable voice of Sir Bobby Robson, talking to me, George Culkin, during the months and years before he died. Thanks to the generosity of his family, The Athletic are marking what would have been Sir Bobby's 90th birthday this weekend with Bobby 90, an exclusive four-part podcast series featuring previously unheard interviews with one of football's most iconic figures. It's packed with stories about growing up in the North East, managing Newcastle United, Barcelona, England, as well as players like Gaza, Brian Robson and Alan Shearer. And it details his repeated bouts with cancer establishing the charitable foundation which carries his name. It's Bobby at his charismatic and emotional best. Listen to Bobby 90 for free by searching for Pollen the Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all usual podcast providers. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Okay, welcome back to Mesut Harland Dicks with our guest, Josh Pugh. We've done our fascinations, Josh. Now it's time to hear about your three footballing irritations. What's the first? So my first one, it's it's a coaching thing. And it's when uh, coaches will phrase an instruction as a question. So instead of being, get the ball in behind, win your headers in midfield, it will be like, can we get the ball in behind? <laughs> Can we win? Oh, can we? Are you, t- are you telling me to do it? Can, can the best one? Can we ask questions of their defence? Can can we? What are you asking? What do you want me to do? That you're saying? Hypothetical? Yeah, it's that. I'm fascinated by the very specific wording of this because it hit home straight away, Charlie. Because I've heard it quite a lot, and I'm trying to get I'm trying to get to grips with the inspiration for it. I mean, it could well be something that's taught on like a UEFA coaching course. If you if you word it like this, you'll the message will hit home a bit more softly. But it's almost like a request, an order and a challenge all rolled into one. It's great. I think it's quite effective. Yeah, I love this one. I mean, th- there's so much of this sort of thing. The That thing managers have gone, eh? After they say anything, we're up for this, eh? 
<laughs> you want to win today, eh? Like, make, sort of making it a question. I don't know if they're told that. It makes it more... Sort of suggesting say, consultation, but not actually inviting Exactly, it. more yeah, interactive. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, a Varen on Canary as well, and I was saying this to Michael Cox the other day, actually, was how football it is, any danger. Any danger, we might ask. Any danger, oh, we might right. ask some oh, questions. Right. Any danger, yeah. passive target. Yeah. Bit yeah. more passive aggressive, but so football, and also just so, like, annoying somehow. Like, any I, I, danger. I, I, I think I think this Canary, I think it comes from... You know, people have maybe done a bit of coaching and then it's like, oh, the next step is to challenge the players. Right. And and, and make it, we're all in this, to, you know, we're kind of, um, you're, you're enabling, you're empowering the players. Mm. Can, can we, can we get at the fullbacks? It, it's like it, it's like a kid playing a game with a kid. Can, can you, can you put all them toys away? <laughs> I think I've, never tried, I've never actually I've never actually phrased it like that to my own child I'm going to try this and see if it works but yeah. maybe there's an extension to this Josh like I don't know when you go to the dentist and they phrase you know when they when they need you to sort of tilt your head in a certain way they'll phrase it in a way can you uh, can you do this for me maybe coaches can start mm. talking like that can you just do that can you just uh, can you get the ball in between, behind their left back for me that would be that would be a slightly patronising way of doing it it's a bit condescending well, well they kind of say don't they they'll say can you give me can you give me 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're doing it for them as a yeah. it's if you don't do this now you've now let me this bond we've got you've gone against can you can you give me 15 minutes of course i can give you 15 minutes oh yeah that yeah that kind of appeals to their team spirit i can i actually think that is quite effective um yeah i think so. building that rapport but before i've got one more question about the art of can we from coaches but let's hear the most famous one of all the ultimate can we come on come on Bigger, bigger. We've done that fucking! Can we not knock it? The historical, legendary, can we not knock it, Charlie, which is, I guess in this example, almost a bit more rhetorical, isn't it? Literally, can we not fucking do this? This is all. Yeah, the yeah. not changes things there a bit. <laughs> that, 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 that is a slightly different emphasis. Can but, we but not? What, um, but what he's done there, uh, Graham, very cleverly, it's we. Can we? Mm. Everybody stop doing this. Can we? Not knock it. So, okay. So the final question, the ultimate question on here is, Charlie, what is what is the most common situation that a coach is requesting slash demanding from a can we? Is it kind of, is it more of a kind of physical effort thing or is it a technical thing? Ah, uh, I think, mm, I'm trying to think of what's a can Because also just before I answer, there's also the can you, that when often a player will overlap or something, <laughs> can you, can you, oh. can you, or like, oh, and with, then with, with no words after it. No, just the can you and like a yes, please, yes, please, yes, please, which I also think is quite funny that you're giving the sort of politeness to a quite <laughs> firm instruction whilst playing for yes, please. Um, I like touch me there. Really, Brett? I heard somebody, somebody shout was Brett, touch me, and it's just I think what he wanted to just he just wanted to touch back into him like a one oh, two. I see, touch me. If, so, if yeah, Frank Musa got hold of this grammar, <laughs> he would be furious. But I think set I think me a, as well. But set me, yeah, yeah, little set, little set. Yeah, but <laughs> instinctively, Charlie, I think can we is more towards like can we raise it? Can we? Can we find another ten percent? It's yeah, more of yeah. that than than a specific tactical instruction. I think. Yes, that's probably can right. We, yeah, can we? Can we just? Can we, can we just it? ask a few more questions of them? Can yeah. we? Yeah, can, can we vague we, thing? Yeah, can yeah. we put a few more balls in the box? Mm. Can, can we ask questions of their keeper? You know, can we get a few more shots off? And people just be, should be just be really honest. 
I don't think we can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll level with you. It's going to be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's an important figure in a Sunday league team, a sardonic person who responds to these questions saying, no, we, we can't. We're not <laughs> which, is, which brings the whole team spirit down, but not from very high up. Um, but this, Josh, this is one of the best selections we've ever had. This is a man getting it. This is a man in his pomp understanding the oh, Football yeah. Clichés podcast and I'm all for it. Thank you. Oh, Your great. second irritation of football, please. My next one is kind of when people talk about players from the past and they say that they couldn't cope in today's game. Mm. They say that Pele wouldn't be able to play in the Premier League because the players are too athletic. As if Pele wouldn't have access to the same training methods <laughs> as all the players. As if he wouldn't be a modern footballer. We know he's happy with supplements. We know that from his Viagra days. He'd, he'd buy into stuff. <laughs> He'd buy into stuff. Of course, he could cope. It's Pele. <laughs> I, I just want to. I just want to take a moment to uh, to bask in the glory of the words "his Viagra days," <laughs> <laughs> as if that was just a, a specific period of his life. Which is, uh, <laughs> a chapter in his aut- Viagra days. Yeah. Pele. <laughs> chapter in his autobiography. That's a good album. That that'd be a good album <laughs> name. Be a section on his Wikipedia page. Personal life, Viagra days. Um, Pele. Now. I'm I'm 50-50 about this, Charlie, because it is a very, very popular footballing debate is can play could player X from vintage era do it in today's game? Or do you know, just generally could players from that time do it? And Josh's point about the strength and conditioning is so obviously true. Like, I mean, I mean, at some point in this you know absurd scenario, you're gonna have to bring in the reality of it. But when I want to talk about this sort of thing, I wanna leave that stuff out. And I know it's wrong, and I know it's completely unhelpful to both the debate and the and the player in question. But I just want to know if George Best, at his best, was transported into the Premier League. I want to know how he would get on. I don't care if he had mm. six months of training and you know and the right diet. Yeah, and no, I don't care about that. And I, I just want to know how he would fare. What level of football would George Best be currently playing at? I think that's more. I think that's more interesting. That is, yeah, because of it, yeah, you. Because yeah, Josh is right. Once you chuck it, once you remove those variables, mm. he was clearly a really gifted player. But what you will also often hear from former players talking about players from their vintage of, and he'd be fine in the modern game. You know, make no mistake, he'd be fine. He he could run, or yeah. he was so intelligent, he or something like that. Play. So I think that there is often a uh, the sort of counter to this. Mm. Uh, Josh, you obviously you haven't factored in the uh, the muddy pitches, and you know the, the tackles that were flying in. Yeah, and that sort of thing. I, I, Come I mean, on. I mean, I think it'd be interesting the other way as well. You know, if you put like um, a quite a protected player, you know, from from today's game back into the the sixties and seventies with a heavier ball, and mm. you know, refs will let you get kicked. I wonder how they'd get on. Another counter argument you hear to this, and I, I'll, I'll give this example because producer Dave is just typing into the document as I speak. He says, "I watched the video of the nineteen fifty five FA Cup final the other day, Newcastle versus Man City. Genuinely think I could have slotted in at fullback." He says, <laughs> this, "I mean, I, I've been victim to this kind of weird." deluded hubris before of how far back in history could I go to slot in into a top level team <laughs> Josh I mean where do you sit on this I mean what decade do you think you could slot in at? I mean I've seen you on your warm weather training camp I mean if, if you've seen the 66 World Cup final if you, you sat and watched the, it's a the final I, I actually think they're the playing out a bit they're the playing out from the back a bit there's a bit Germany they get um, you know the last minute of kind of normal time and Jack Charlton brings it down on the chest and clips it over their striker into like our left back mm. I think that's 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 really class 
play that is. I, I think they're better than you think. I think the TV isn't as good. Mm, I was just say, how much is the TV? The, 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 cam- the cameras aren't as good. I, I think they're. I think they're top. I think they're really good. Uh, I'd like to see Jack Charlton do that under a Gagan press in the <laughs> Premier League in 2023. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it is a difficult one, Charlie, because it. I just think when you introduce the perfectly acceptable uh, observation that you, these players would have to have modern training methods and supplements and uh, all sorts of stuff, does that just kill the debate stone dead? Does that take the romance out of it? Well, but I mean, in, and in this situation, though, you imagining we're going back with our kit of today. I think that would also make a big difference because we'd, we'd we, it'll be like we sort of rocket fueled because we'd have these really good boots and streamlined kits. If you're up against people who are like, you know... Ch- shuntering around on really heavy old school boots you'd instantly have an advantage another um, you can add i mean if you're going to go if you're going to add as many layers to this this argument um as you should josh you might as well go full with this if you're going to do training methods and sort of stuff this is the the most deluded i ever got with this i think i was sat around with my family on christmas <laughs> day once saying i think i could have do- done a job on pele in 1958 or something <laughs> and um the one argument i plucked out of nowhere and thought i'd nailed it with is if you go back to like 1954 or whatever and i know there's muddy pitches and heavy boots and the ball's gonna kill you and that sort of stuff but they've never seen a cruyff turn have they hey <laughs> that would blow their minds just do yeah, skills that you've seen uh, but, in 2023 they won't know what it, it's him but it's a great point that the, the game changes like remember tim henman in tennis <laughs> yeah he, he yeah. was like a brilliant serving volleyer and I, lo- I love watching Tim Henman. But then when these big baseline players come in, he just got blown off the court. And I wonder if there'd be, it'd be a bit of that. You know, I, I don't know. It's The game changes, doesn't it? Charlie, All what sports would you reckon you could win? Ooh. I mean, I don't... What would you do to Fred Perry? That is a great question. No, I don't... <laughs> you can have I mean, whatever te- racket you cause, want. Because tennis in particular does look so slow. They're like sort of padding it over. And, but it's again, pathetic. I think it's... I think it's the filming. But uh, yeah, I reckon probably about 2000, 2001, when Henman started to get smoked by the baseliners. That's when I'd really come into mind. Okay, the, the logical extension of this question, uh, about as far from our remit as it's possible to get. Josh, which sport do you think is completely immune from this debate? Like, in both directions. Like, which, which sport do you think a bloke from the 50s could come into our level now and be fine? Or conversely, you could go back and you'd still, you'd still get battered? Uh, boxing, I think. I think boxing. I mean, swimming's the one. Swimming, as there's world records every other race in swimming. Mm. It's. I, I don't think there's maybe. I don't think there's maybe any. After you know, I don't think there's maybe any sports. There shouldn't be any sports. I mean, there shouldn't be any sports where we're not better now than. Because surely that's that's mm. just a human race, isn't it? We're just improving. Producer Dave has opened a, a completely different can of worms. He says, um, if you turned up to BBC One in 1955 with your current comedy routine, would you be a sensation? No. <laughs> like, what's he talking I, I, about? Yeah, I've got a bit about laser quest at the moment. I don't think they'd know what any of that means. <laughs> You'd be fine in 1995. That's all right. Yeah. You... yeah. But yeah, that that's possibly one of the... Um, most distant tangents we've ever gone on and I really enjoyed it. Right, your third <laughs> and final irritation of football, please, Josh. Uh, when people talk about playing football the right way, right. teams that play football the right way, yep. it's just, what what that, one, there's no way, right way of playing football. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's what I'm, what I'm just like here is, is the, the snobbery. So I, I'm a, I'm a neutral. I, I'd say that I support Sean Dyche. I, I'm not, I've got a team. <laughs> 
But I, I follow wherever Sean Dyche goes. I follow him. <laughs> I've never heard anyone potentially <laughs> offer that as a as a form of fandom, and it's so good. Fine, fine. He, Sean Dyche specifically. Ta- the, the whole reason tactics exist is so the lesser teams have got a chance against the better players. It's the whole reason. It's the whole reason tactics exist. It's in in war in anything. It's it's to give yourself a chance, and it's just that I just don't like the the snobbery of playing football the right way to pick up get it on, in the get it in the goal yeah okay right <laughs> um charlie to pick up on uh, josh's sort of sentimental point at the start which you hear a lot which is you know there's not one way to play football there's not one way to win football matches is that like the football equivalent of saying you know it all works out in the end there's something there's somebody out there for any, everyone is it is, <laughs> is it actually just is it just not true is it like is it the the kind of eddie howe getting the ball down and playing at bournemouth is actually that is the right way to play football and everything else is just either kind of backward or too aggressive or not fun to watch. Well, the, yeah, I don't know. The The obvious extension as well of the that argument is the, well, if they did try and play the right way in inverted commas, mm. they would lose. Right. As Josh says, that's the sort of, um, that's why you do it. So it's because it, normally what will happen in that sort of ding dong is that a manager will complain about another team not playing the right way. Yeah. But then it will be a sort of like, well, what do you want them to do? You know, you want them to come and play into your hands sort of thing. You know, what are they going to do? Go to the Etihad and go all out attack. <laughs> we get smashed. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it's normally slapped down pretty quickly with that, I think. I'm interested in how this kind of debate has evolved over the like, maybe the last sort of 10 years or so, Josh, because to a certain extent, everyone's trying to play in the same way now. Everyone's trying to play the right way as it is currently established, getting the ball down, even from the back, being quite aggressive in the press, but only for the purposes of getting the ball back so you can continue to play the right way. There isn't there isn't too much emphasis on kind of destroying the other team physically. It does feel like the sort of philosophical snobbery is kind of eased a little bit. Like I think where there is a team every now and then who does kind of a, a Daishian way of doing things, which is yeah. still fairly technical, it's but it is a little bit more direct. It's kind of accepted because it's kind of part of the tapestry now. It's good to have that. It's kind of, kind of what, 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 what's the phrase? Uh, exotic is erotic. So if it's if, if it's the small if it's a small amount of teams doing that, it's kind of it's mm. the exotic. So we kind of quite like it. Mm. I I, th- I think uh, not to get too socio-economic about it. I think the problem is when when fans are paying a lot for ticket, yeah, season tickets and ticket money, and then their team doesn't try and play a certain way. You can see why people get frustrated there. But if if you're winning, I, I, you can't really argue with, with any That's way true. of playing, can you? Yeah, Charlie, of course, yeah, one of those arguments that you always hear about certain playing styles is if he gets results, then everyone's happy. And then there's that caveat to that of saying, well, you know, you've got to turn up and watch it every week. And then there's a certain, there are certain fan bases, of course, regardless of how results are going, who think that their club historically should play a certain way. For example, mm. the Spurs way, the West Ham way. The West Ham way. Um, yeah. That's kind of a slight... Is it... I mean, I hesitate to use the words deluded, but it is a slightly deluded way of looking at things, especially if you want to win a football match tomorrow to like it's like yeah where are you harking back to that well i think it's a bias we have in our memories because at, mo- at a point for most clubs there'll have been a point in time in which they played pretty good football and obviously mm. we want that to be our identity more you know we don't want to be saying that you know the southampton way is playing really bad football as i'm mm. sure they did at some point they also probably played good football at some point but i, I do i do wonder yeah if the, if there will be a novelty now because in the same way that new stadiums became you know everyone hated the sort of all identikit stadiums yeah, and then there was a real yeah. sort of honor and about having you know an older 
ground. I wonder if now, you know, it is a sort of, it's a breath of fresh air. We've got this team in the Premier yeah, League who, who aren't afraid to go direct. It's, it's just the world. You see it in art all the time. It's kind of, you know, punk only existed because Hotel California and the Eagles existed. And, <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's all cyclical, isn't it? You, you mm. get you get onto a thing and everybody does it and then it becomes too much and exactly. you go back. To, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's fashion and it's trends in it. And it's, but I find it, um, find it mad with, with, with sport. It's kind of, uh, yeah, the, the right, the right way is, is that's what kind of what I, uh, what, do you think other not... sports have this preoccupation, Josh? I mean, I mean, I, I'm bringing other sports into this podcast way too much, but it doesn't matter. I do other sports care about this to the extent that football does. I mean, rugby doesn't seem to care about that. I, individual sports, I guess, don't really have this issue. I don't know. Just tennis, I guess, a little bit. I don't know. I, I remember finding it weird with rugby when I started having an interest in that. Because How many other ways are there to play it? <laughs> well, people, but, but uh, people would have... There was almost a snobbery about high-scoring games, which I found really weird. Okay, the, the purists seemed to love like a nine-six with no tries, and it was all penalties. And, and yeah. to me, I was like, "But is that not just really boring?" But they, but that seemed to be held up in the way that it would be the equivalent of a, fu- a football purist being like, oh, "I love a nil-nil. I hate when there are too many goals." And maybe like basketball sort of with three pointers. I mean, that seems to be a bit of an existential crisis for the NBA. It's like, well, just people are just getting too good at scoring from yeah. fairly safe distances. Um, I always say about about England, we should just go and just stink the tournament out. <laughs> just go and stink the tournament out. Get get some penalties. Score for set pieces. Just go and just. I'm, I'd be happy to stink the tournament out and win a World Cup. It wouldn't matter in the end. It'd be, it would be. It all comes out in the wash, and you still have that trophy, and nobody cares about the nuts and bolts of how you won your first group game. It doesn't matter. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to go full Greece, or maybe you do, but. Mm. Um, I, I love that. I That's what I love. I, I love that. I, I love that side of it. N- nullifying people that are much superior to you <laughs> and then just scoring a, a scrappy. I, 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 there's a magic. I love it. I love it that. It's hugely satisfying, I think, for I a love certain it level in, of team. You know, you see it in cricket. I mean, I'm not, not to be another, I mean, I'm not even really into cricket, but if you watch the tail enders in cricket, they're, they're there. They're in, they're in the batting. Yeah. It's not their, it's not their strong point is batting. They're surrounded by the opposition. You don't get any sports where it's two of you versus 11 of them all on the pitch at the same time. And they're just nicking ones and nicking singles. And, you know, I, I really love watching that. Mm. Like, backs to the wall. That's what that's what I'm into, I think. It's fair like enough. pulling off a heist when they do that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. There, there is a r- romance to it. I get it. But, Charlie, I, when I talked about how I thought that the the snobbery about certain ways of playing football might have sort of dwindled a bit, that there's been there's been a kind of grudging acceptance that teams will do things a certain way as long as it isn't you know breaking legs or whatever. But I was trying to think of the peak of the snobbery, the point at which it really got like you lot just you like dinosaurs. How dare you grace the same pitch as us? And I think it was Cesc Fabregas coming on the pitch in his jeans to confront Hull manager <laughs> Phil Brown at the Emirates in 2009. I think that was the, that was the ultimate clash of footballing cultures and philosophies. Yeah, well, that was around the same time as well, the Arsenal-Stoke uh, yes, rivalry of, of the late noughties, early yeah. tens. Do you remember? And that was, you know, the Arsenal fans called them the rugby team. Mm. And then they embraced it and they sung Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And it was this massive clash of ideologies um, between, you know, people saw Arsenal as these sort of soft, 
kind of tippy-tappy passes against the proper tough men of And Stoke. there was a joy of sort of rubbing in Arsenal's faces that their yeah. right way actually turned out to be was the most ineffective way possible. But uh, again, it's all come full circle and they're fine now, so it's okay. But just to add a final twist to this, Josh, uh, we asked our listeners about the vital components of playing football the right way. And this answer from Pete Martin stood out. He says the most vital component of playing football the right way is never actually defining it. Just say it enough times and get your mates in the media to say it enough times and then it becomes the de facto way of describing said team. So there must be some teams out there who don't play football the right way, but they've just got a couple of people to say they do somewhere down in like National <laughs> League North or something. And that's it. Like that, They're just known for it and nobody's ever watched them play. That's spot on. That's the way to go. Yeah, that's it. Just you don't even have to bother training your players, Charlie. Just just get it out there that your team are do they they are they are, you know, making waves down there in yeah. the uh, combined counties league. Well, <laughs> Liam Manning's MK Dons. I've never seen them play, but I'm so I'm told they did play football the right way. There's the very specific terminology is the getting the ball down and play. Yeah. They get the ball down and play. That's, that's the fundamental is, aspect. That's the first thing you have to do, right? There's nothing yeah. to Swansea start with. Swansea under Rogers, I think it was sort of prototype in the Premier League. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we got very philosophical in this podcast, unexpectedly so. But do you know what, Josh? I think you've come onto the Football Clichés podcast and you've done it the right way. Thank you very much. That's what they'll be saying. They will. That's what they'll be saying in the media. In the reviews. <laughs> in the Apple reviews. Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks both. Enjoy the rest of your tour. Yeah, nice one, man. Thank you. Ho- hopefully the, the stag do portion of it <laughs> is particularly enjoyable. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Nice one. Cheers, Josh. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Cheers to everyone for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday. The Athletic.